This is an Area Code podcast. I am not breaking house arrest to go to Boston Market. <laughs> we'll bring it to you. We bring we'll it bring to it, you. We'll bring it to you. We'll do a don't, whole. Don't whole bring that. Team. Do not bring no Boston Market to my house. If you want to fight me, just say you want to square up and then come over. <laughs> Whitehurst, and I've been performing and directing and teaching and producing improv and sketch comedy for almost 15 years. I think poop jokes are funny. I'm Felicia McLeod, an improviser, writer, voiceover actress, and just started reading tarot cards. Hit your girl up. Hi, my name is Steve Hahn. I'm an improviser, on-camera actor, and director, and my estranged father has tried to connect with me on LinkedIn before. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to Comedy Has an Ouchie. I'm Ashley. I'm Felicia. I'm Steve. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I'm Steve. Um, I know, that was so cute. I know, that was really cute, Steve. And I'm, he looks like I'm all cuddled up and everything. <laughs> I just woke it's like four, what time is it here? It's like four, well, that's not a good excuse. Anyway, keep going. This isn't about me, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it is about you. <laughs> <laughs> We have a we have a guest today, y'all. This is exciting. Yes, we've got Mohawk Johnson on, uber talented musician and comedian, uh, and I'm going to put him on blast. Twitch streamer <laughs> playing Mario Kart. Pop it uh, and drop it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if people can see me. I'm I'm Missy Elliott right now. <laughs> uh, Mohawk, how are you? How you doing? I'm I'm here. You're here. I'm here. Yeah. I'm not allowed yeah. to go anywhere else yet. They, the state said no, but my stuff is yeah. in here, so that's fine. <laughs> you have everything you need inside. You just can't. Mm. Well, I'm sure we'll get into all of that. Before we do, do you want to give us a little background for our listeners about who you are, how you wound up in comedy and music? Maybe just give us our Mohawk origin story since we're in a superhero movies here. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. So I'm Mohawk Johnson. I'm uh, 26 years old. I'm a Libra. Um, I got into comedy because I worked at, I worked at second city for a couple of years and a friend of mine threw a show mm-hmm. and they're like, yo, do the show, do music. And I'm like, nah, I want to try stand up. And then I got very drunk and yelled at people on stage and they reacted well to the yelling. And so I kept doing it and then people gave me money mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, cool. Nice. And that's nice. what happened. Nice. So your so your bit was that you had did you have anything prepared the first time you went up or the whole thing was I'm gonna get up and just heckle the audience. Oh no, oh I prepared. I worked very hard. The reason I did well drunk is because I ran my set nonstop for about two weeks so that I had it down. And when I went up there, I was ready to go, so I was very prepared. And my biggest issue uh was delivery. So I worked on my delivery by by getting tipsy, which made me more comfortable. And and then I did the thing. And and now I do stand up and now I don't drink anymore. So it's not. So I'm boring. And that's fine. Mm. A bore. I stand up Libra? once. Come on. A bore. <laughs> doesn't exist. Doesn't Sorry. Exist. Okay. So Mohawk, since, since your first time doing stand up uh, on stage and then just from there, you just kept doing, doing it over and over and then was like, I'm pretty fucking good at this. I'm going to keep, keep doing it. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. Okay. Nice. Uh, and as far as uh, obviously being in lockdown away from for, you know, over COVID and quarantine, being away from stages, you've just relied solely on 
TikTok and, and all those types of things. Has is, is anything resonated with you more as far as translating from a stage to our, our new world of being at home? Uh, not particularly, because before I started doing stand up, I wanted to be a YouTuber anyway. So like oh. making silly videos and putting them on my TikTok or my Instagram or my YouTube was something I was already invested in. And I had friends who did Twitch streaming who told me to get involved. So that was already that was already in my wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. So it was easy to just make that switch. Yeah. Do you can I we've we've talked about this uh on this podcast is like um coming up with content for uh, Steve specifically, we had a really good conversation about how sometimes it can feel hard to come up with content for for these for TikTok and all that stuff. Do you feel like it it is challenging or do you have like a a whole like bucket of things you can go into and, and just pull from. Or there's just some days you're just like, nah, I'm not interested in any of it right now. I'm I'm a big fan of parody and I watch way too much TV, always have. So I have not run out of anything because the right. stuff I make fun of hasn't run out of stuff either. Mm. And in that regard, I've been very lucky. Like I make I make jokes about Marvel comics, I make jokes about the movies, I make jokes about Pokemon, I make jokes about uh Dragon Ball Z, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, all this Stuff that's still like got shows and like video games and other shit coming out. So like as long as I can parody those and as long as like wild shit keeps happening to me that I could turn into stand up and 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 turn into concepts for videos, I I think I'm going to be fine. And I think I've been fine. I've been very lucky in that regard. Totally. It's time for the shit jar, which is my favorite segment. This is our coping mechanism part of the show. We're sort of just as part of the show. Share a story about something that's happened in our industry. Uh, hey, Mohawk, do you have an entry for the shit jar? Something? Oh, yeah, I got one. Go for it. I got, I got one about a, about a job I had a while ago where I was, I was doing stand-up at, at, this, at this spot, and there was this white lady that was like half heckling me half kissing half like flirting with me mm-hmm. and she was like you're hot and i'm like thank you she's like i want to kiss you and i'm like yeah but do i want to kiss you like i feel like i feel like when white women flirt with me they don't think about having to have lips like i do like they want to kiss me but they don't think about whether or not they can kiss me back mm. so i have to carry like i have to carry the kiss <laughs> like i have to do all the work in that arrangement like how dare you like i'm, I'm over here making out with a paper cut of a, of a pair of lips Mm -hmm. carrying the kiss like just like selfish like fucking selfish is what they are yeah like you interrupt me in my show so that i can so that i can do you a favor by kissing because i don't get shit out of that i don't get nothing out of that i might as well kiss a ziploc bag like i don't what am i gonna do with you (laughs) so in this case did you respond from the stage or did she just keep oh no no, i was going in on i was going in on her from the stage like don't don't bother me (laughs) like if you're gonna bother me you gotta be funnier than me that's my thing. Yeah, that's what I'm right. saying. Like, if you're gonna heckle, you know, that's that's a good that's a that's a good point. Yeah, it's like you got you got to do it with intention. You can't just do it for attention. Mm-hmm. You know, intention, not attention. That's what it is. Ooh, I like. <laughs> like, that. if you're gonna heckle, be hilarious. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I will give you the mic. You can take take my place on stage. We can talk. Um. So that's, that's that's the and she she knew after that like. All right, I'm I'm done. I should stop. Or does she keep? Please tell me she stopped. Oh, she kept going, but like white. Most of the time, I have performed in predominantly white spaces. Like, I've I've dealt with this weird like fetishizing energy from like mm-hmm. the white women in the space, and like 
you know, like, wh- wh- you know, cis, cis black man on stage in, in, a, in a white space and, and white women are acting the fool. You know, you just you, you get to the point where you kind of let them do like you let them do whatever so that they can leave you alone so that nobody like screams or cries and then gets you shot four times in the chest. Like, that's mm-hmm. generally how I deal with that. Like me, like me roasting the old girl back was me in very rare form because that's not something I normally do. But that day I was feeling peppy. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's awful. I feel like we could talk about two things here. Uh, the heckling in these, in these places, which we've all dealt with in some form. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, or we could go the route of talking about the, the audience, the makeup of the audiences to which, uh, which we're performing. I feel like when you get into these white spaces and you're on stage, you have to be able to adapt and know their references. But then it's like, then I make a reference of like uh, living single and everybody doesn't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about girlfriends. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. So it's just, I'm tired of having to adapt when the other room, it should be adapting the other and way. And it's like, I think it's like this issue where in stand up, like, because I, I also do stand up, right? And it's like um, stand up or improv in, in these spaces. It's like the, I don't expect these people to know these references that like I make, I make specific references to. I do. And I, I'm really not, I'm, I, if, 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 right now, I'm not expecting them to, but it's like, for me, it's mostly like their reaction to it. There's this like expectation that like they, they normalize themselves, obviously. They center, it's like white centricism, right? Mm-hmm. And so my main thing is like, I don't need them at this current moment to understand like every like Asian American reference I'm making, for example, but I at least want them if they're, if they're inundated with it or if I'm like presenting to them to them to be open and then do the homework for it. And be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And instead their reaction is like buckle against it. And you know, like that's what it is. It's like it's not a it's not an issue with the input. I think it's an issue with the framing and the machinery that's the issue, right? It's like when I'm it mm-hmm. like I I learned I learned a lot of new things about like about uh just for myself as like a non-black person of color in the comedy community about like white things, about black culture, about like Latinx culture. I learned a lot of things, but for me, the framing in my mindset as a person of color and as a queer person of color navigating like the u.s has always been constantly adapt constantly adapt like you you are able to and you're, you are a human being capable of taking in new information and being able to like adapt that and then and, and use that as your zeitgeist you're able to do that like as human beings we are all able mm-hmm. to but there's something about like whiteness and white culture that buckles against this idea of unlearning and relearning and reframing and like anything mm-hmm. that is presented as an like a other point of view is seen as a infiltration and like an attack almost you know that's real i personally because a lot of my early stand-up was me making fun of white people i never expected them or like even wanted them to adapt because like i'm not doing that for them i'm doing that to them for the three black people in the room like that's Mm -hmm. that has always been like who i do this for i do i do this for like the three niggas in the room who ain't comfortable right now because we're surrounded but I think about like what what you said, Steve, about uh, white centricity. And I think about, you know, comics and how like we had Caucasian aliens. Before we had the first black superhero yeah, for real. Yeah, we, we had we had white people from space like white. We went out. To, we went out like Marvel went to space. DC went to space. DC had somebody from space come here and they were still Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were still Caucasian before we had an Asian superhero, you know, or and and like or a Pacific Islander superhero or or a native superhero. Like we had white people 
in other galaxies before there was niggas who already lived on Earth showing up in these comics. Mm-hmm. Like, like your neighbor Rodney would not end up in Marvel before a white person from space would. And that I think it's just prevalent throughout like multiple forms of media where like white people just don't jive well if stuff ain't about them because they can. And and I think about like cinematic empathy and artistic empathy about how like they can empathize with like a robot like Wally, but they can't see a story about us because we don't look like them. Like the cube that eats trash is is easier to empathize with than like other types of people mm-hmm. for like white consumers. And just knowing that sort of informs the ways in which I'm just never gonna like even consider what white people think about my comedy because again, I'm just I'm never talking to them. And I'm talking about them. I'm never talking to them. Bohawk, I'm so struck by something you said <laughs> that I want to touch on is this idea of cinematic empathy and i think it it starts right there as a kid uh you're taught how to watch and how to receive and consume media and for white kids it's a very specific way and unless you do the work later in life you're not gonna you're not gonna know that that's wrong but Mm -hmm. people other than little white kids are taught cinematic empathy so young because you are already sat in front of a tv watching you know the white centric shows happen so You've already developed all those skills. And, and then by the time white people sort of catch up and go, oh, there's different points of view than mine, y'all, we've, we've totally missed, we totally missed the entire conversation. Uh, so I love that, like that idea that uh, just going back and like even the representation in the fucking comic books, like we can make, you know, well, what's actually the- so mad that they're like, I'm thinking of like, even like Nick at night, like we had Alf, we had Mork and Mindy. Those were aliens. Right. And one was a puppet and one, one was Robin Williams making weird noises, still white centric sitcoms. So it's like, even there was an opportunity to have like places for other people to, to exist in, in these shows. I'm not saying that they mm-hmm. needed to be aliens, but you guys get my drift. <laughs> Sorry, mm-hmm. Steve. Uh, what were you going to say? I was, I was going to ask, um, I was going to ask you like, or ask everyone, like, what's the first, um, What's the first like blockbuster movie you saw that like you saw yourself in? Like, what's the first thing that like got you excited mm-hmm. and like proud of your identity, like specifically? Because like, you know, I I asked I I've asked this question before, and with like a lot of my white friends, they're like, I don't know, Titanic, and I'm like, bitch, what did you see so you see yourself in the Titanic, like the iceberg, like the white <laughs> iceberg, <laughs> like is that what you saw yourself in? Like I don't know, yeah. it was strong, it destroyed, it was strong, it destroyed, it killed. That's that's. <laughs> And that's the European way. You know, I'm like, you know, what is, what, what is, what is that first, thing, first piece of like, that's a great question. What's the first piece of thing that like got that, you excited to be you? That's hard. Cause I mm. feel like we didn't at our house, we didn't watch a lot of blockbuster movies. We'd watch a lot of like, or what's like a thing that you DVD saw or straight to VHS. What's like a, the first thing you saw that was like remotely me. And it could have been happened recently. Like I asked someone and they said like the first thing for them was black Panther. Hmm. Granted, this was a kid that was tutoring, so he's younger, but I think <laughs> I, like I think I echo that sentiment. I, I think I do echo that sentiment. I think it was Black Panther for me because before I really learned about these things, I did not have the critical eye mm. or the uh understanding to even question what it looked like, what representation looked like. And also like the first black comic book character I had ever read was Black Panther, because I talked to my mom. Um, you know what? I take that back. I think it was Static Shock. I think because 
I, I started watching the Static Shock TV show when I was about six or seven when it mm. first came out. And I was talking to my mom and I was and I had a bunch of like Spider-Man comics and Iron Man comics and stuff. And I'm like, Mom, how come there aren't any comic book characters that look like me? And then she found me some Black Panther stuff. And then when the Black Panther movie came out, I, I think I had the critical understanding to really understand what it means. Yeah. To like know what it means to have a character like a movie character look like me. But I think. I had a feeling something was off when I was a kid, but I didn't. I didn't have the ability to articulate it. So the so the so the like the real resonance feeling for you happened with Black Panther, would you say? Yeah, and the how, resonance because I was maybe twenty three. And how old were you? How old were you when that came out? I think uh, Black Panther came out in what twenty eighteen, early 2018? 2018, 2019. I I think it was twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yes, twenty eighteen. So I had to have been. 23 i hadn't turned 24 yet so you were 23 when you first got that feeling yeah i was i was 23 when i first like fully understood what that meant when i understood the gravity okay what about you what about of really seeing somebody like what about you felicia man that's hard because like i'm thinking um we watch like when i was growing up i watched like harlem nights and like uh all these shows like martin and stuff so i feel like I felt like I saw a representation of me, but there wasn't. I also grew up in a very white space in Muskego. Mm. So like those other people weren't seeing those things. So they didn't see me as an actual human being. So I feel like it wasn't until I moved to Chicago and started to develop the language of like unlearning things that I thought to be true. So it probably wasn't until like as a group setting, it wasn't until Black Panther when I saw other people seeing me. Oh, yeah. But like I was blessed enough that mm-hmm. I was able to be put in a space where we used to watch like a lot of like there's this Jamaican person named Oliver who would do like sketches. So he had like a bunch of like VHS and so we'd watch that. So like I was blessed to be able to see that at a young age. But it wasn't until I moved to Chicago and I um, was in a different space to realize the appreciation for that art form. And it's sad because that was like 2018. So what was I like? How how do you do math? What was three years, four years ago? I was 30. Yeah. So it's like, that's sad that it took that long. Yeah. For me, it was Crazy Rich Asians. Mm. Like, and I, I, I mean, that movie is not even like amazing. It's like a fun rom-com and it's like, it's like yeah. fun, but it's like still problematic in a lot of ways. And it's, mm-hmm. and it, 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 it's like a fun, it's like a fun romp. It's not like a critically acclaimed I mean, I think it is critically acclaimed because of like what it stood for, and I think it's like the first time we had like an Asian blockbuster film. But it's not like, like it's not like deep thinking or deep thought or anything. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. it's like a fun rom com with like good actors and stuff. But whatever, you know. But what you're all hitting on is all these movies have in common that it wasn't just based around the trauma porn or like based around mm-hmm. this like massive ish cliche stereotypical issue, right? It was like. Crazy Rotations was like a rom com. We've seen, you know, blah, blah, blah. We weren't faced with like this like problem that Asian Americans have had. And same with Black Panther. It wasn't like, let's just show you the cliches that you are already have in your brain. So I, I'm mm-hmm. guessing that's part of why, like for you, Steve and, and Mohawk and Pete, it's like you were able to like just consume the beautiful people who look like you and you identify and were able to like just kind of zone everything out. And correct me if I'm wrong, because that, that, that to me is like the overarching thing that connects both of these movies is they weren't centered around trauma and like 
for the white audience, kind of like what you were saying, right? It wasn't meant for the white audience. It was meant for, for mm-hmm. um, you know, to be Yes and no, because like I was consuming the movie and I wasn't thinking about trauma, but I was thinking, and this is somebody who's like, who again, I've been reading Black Panther since I was uh, six years old and I've been following that very closely. They got rid of all of Black Panther's main villains in one movie. So it's like, we finally got a black superhero, but like they they screwed homies whole franchise. Like, I don't know how they're going to make sequels like mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman's passing, notwithstanding the three main villains in that franchise all got handled in one movie. And that sort of showed me while I'm sitting there in the theater watching it, that they never had a plan for Meaning black people to exist in this world this was just going to be one movie they weren't thinking about this possibilities for sequels mm. so they yeah they didn't they didn't have a plan yeah they didn't have a plan for black people in like phase two phase three of marvel they just mm. black panther was just supposed to be an avengers character and then they made him a movie because we got mad about it and i and it just feels that way because i'm like how y'all get rid of all of his main villains like he ain't got nobody left to fight yeah. he, ain't, he, he ain't got nobody left to beef with you handled all of it at once that's wild. I didn't know that because I never read any of the comic books, but it's just wild yeah. that it's like it's always an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. All of all of Black Panther's main villains got handled in one movie. They weren't thinking about that. They just wanted black people to shut up because we were talking about how come Black Panther don't have a movie and then they made us one. Yeah. Mm. That's like a great so like it felt like a like it, I'm still happy it happened. I still watched the shit out of that movie, but like it felt like a participation trophy, like a fine here, like like a it, it felt like it was made to pacify us about our like very valid criticisms of Marvel. Cause like, this is the same Marvel where like, where right, right before Miles Morales came out as the new Spider-Man, uh, one of the big wigs was like, we don't need diversity in Marvel. Marvel doesn't need diversity. And then they flip turned once we all got mad. Like this is the same company. This is the same company that used to ink over Black Panther's face because his mouth used to be out in his mask and they would ink over his face because they were like, we can't have a black guy on the cover of the comic. Like nobody's going to buy it. Like that was executive decision-making. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? Like this is the, yeah. like they, they ain't changed. We're just finding different ways to, to do exactly that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. institutions aren't around for change. Like that's literally, that's literally antithetical to the word institution, you know, it's like. But I saw a commercial that they were trying to change. Yeah. <laughs> They all, they all walk in the pride parades now, you know, they mean well. <laughs> um, I want to revisit something, Mohawk, that you said earlier about the, when you're doing comedy, you're talking to the other Black people in the audience. And I wanted to throw a question out to you all. Um, just just from teaching, some some students have said similar things. Is Not only is it uncomfortable being on stage, but sometimes being as an, in an audience that's majority white or you're, you're consuming white white content and i wanted to get your your thoughts on that is it does it feel when you step into these spaces as an audience member like oh i gotta have my antenna up i'm gonna get some sort of racist joke or do you do you zone out like what's what's your whole process to survive shows like that essentially if i get invited to a show that i know is going to be predominantly white i don't go Mm. i love that i just like if my black friend is performing in a white show, I'm going to be at the bar. And then when I hear their name, I'm going to go pay attention and then I'm going to leave again. Cause no, I don't. And like, people think it's true. People was like, you're not here for everybody. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. They're like, well, what if somebody's good? Well, then the other 80 people in here saw them good for them. I don't care. 
like you got my five dollars. Shut up. Like I like I just you, I, I gave you a two piece and a biscuits worth of money and my time already. Like you have it. Like I just you don't need shit else from me. I came here for the black people. If you want me to stay in the room, hire more black people. That ain't my job. My job is to support uh, other minorities and people who look like me. That that is it. That is that is the only thing I'm supposed to do. You want me in that room? Go get more of us. Then I'll stay. Until then, I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna see the one, uh, two diversity quota people you got up in there, and then I'm out. And that's it. I might go home. Like we ain't got no plans afterwards. I might leave. You might never see me. I, I might be in that room for five minutes and then you don't never see me again because I came for that one set and then I bounced. And that's how I keep from like consuming white media that I like just didn't consent to. I just refuse. Mm. I wholeheartedly f- refuse. I like when people invite me to stuff, I'm like, send me a set list so that I know exactly when you're going up so that I can watch you and then bounce because I can't, I came for you. Like, and that's it. That's it. That's all. I'm a big fan of the 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 bar hangout and then the the poke in. Uh uh-uh, uh. Okay, I know that I know that there's two before you poke out. Oh, I'm a big fan of that, and that's how I get my steps in for the day. You know, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go in. Uh uh-uh, uh. Okay, go go, go. Yeah, I go in. I hear them say, "Anyone here watch Seinfeld?" I leave. You know. Yeah. Walk in, <laughs> that's I, like you. I walk in. They're like Chipotle mayo, huh? And I'm like, I'll go back. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a popping. Uh, Miracle Whip is spicy, right? <laughs> yeah, they're like Sprite, yeah. spicy water, right? And I'm like, okay, I'll leave. Sprite, spicy water. Girl, can we? I don't think we've really had a conversation about this on the podcast until Mohawks joined us. Let's do it. Can we have a conversation, just like a quick aside about white people and spice? What is it? In LA, there's a huge Korea town, and I, I, I always find it so interesting when I take like Asian people there, and then when I take like non-asian people of color there and when i take white people there it's such a stark contrast of like the questions i get asked and the the way it's asked and it's just so interesting because all white people are always like oh my god this is so crazy like that's like the word they use for it it's like they're like they like are appreciative of it but they're like this is crazy and i'm like what do you mean this is crazy and i'm like what why is this crazy it's just grilled meat and like spiced pickled vegetables like it's not that crazy but even if it was crazy it's like why are you wording it like it's you know that's again that's like where it's like this is crazy in comparison to white centric food which is yeah which is why which, which is what boston market like that's crazy to me thanksgiving all year wait round, a minute don't come much. for boston market listen <laughs> no absolutely listen, listen i love listen i love boston market but when that's the norm <laughs> that's true okay. you know what, that okay. cornbread when you're drunk that shit hits different i'm gonna be real with y'all I hate Boston Market. I'll square up with a Boston Market if I saw it in the street. Like, if if this is a Boston Market slander-free zone, I could just leave. Because I'm a slander Boston Market. Speak your truth. Speak your truth. Listen, the cornbread. Like, if I have a chance to, like, throw Boston Market away in public, I'm going to take it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Do we have a rebuttal feat, Felicia? (laughs) I'm going to turn my mic off to show respect to our guests. But just know. Say what you got to say. I'm cussing up a storm. (laughs) No, this is what I have to say. What I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's muted. <laughs> she's muted. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, that bit killed. 
That was good. Well, it's a Boston Market corn. Never know. Boston Market cornbread. I ain't like never that. had Boston Market that wasn't wet. <laughs> That's I ain't true. never had Boston Market that wasn't wet. Why is it always wet? That's to counters with that is what makes it good, apparently. Because <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right, cool. Uh, let's wrap this up. We'll do our improv edit. We're gonna call something out that we talked about today and tag, say whether we we've edited the problems, tag it out, call lights, uh, maybe do a stand up thing that uh, you know I don't know something like that. to go first who wants to call something out i'm gonna heckle uh i'm gonna be in the audience heckling and popping in and leaving for a cornbread <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna leave if cornbread is on. but specifically wet boston market cornbread felicia <laughs> i can't believe that you're a boston market stan Look, I can't be held accountable for my actions. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> Not this year. Everything's everything's fair game this year. <laughs> I'm gonna call lights on not getting support <laughs> for Boston Market <laughs> and from these institutions that wants to make whiteness the centric. I want to call lights on both of those. Wait a minute. That is so good. But wait a minute. Are these institutions. Boston market. The Boston markets of these institutions. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. No, she's realizing she's having a realization. Right. Ooh, I'm going to have a breakdown. <laughs> Serving soppy, wet. Every time somebody says Boston market cornbread, one of my neck tattoos itches. <laughs> <laughs> Every time Which one, one every time says, you need to be more specific. Which one? <laughs> which one itches? <laughs> Just one of them. It depends on which time you say it. <laughs> okay. Like they alternate. <laughs> oh my God. I need to do an improv edit. Um, I don't know the technique, but we need to be filling our running orders and our stages uh, full of more than just white people. And on and off the stage, we need to diversify our audience and not just to be uh, tokenizing um, these communities is to actually get get these points of views out so that we can just start creating better art and more multifaceted art that is indicative and, and representative of our country. I don't know what that is. I'll figure it out as I sleep. I'm just still stuck on the Boston market thing. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mohawk, do you have a do you have a specific comedic edit or stand up thing? I like. When I brought up that we had white people in space before we had black people next door mm-hmm. in yeah. comics. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I'd like to call lights on that, I think, mm-hmm. if I'm yes. doing that proper, properly. That's, that's good. That's perfect. Yeah. Lights on that and encore on Boston Market. Boston Market? <laughs> no, no encore. No encore on Boston Market. Call the lights also- early. Have one of Sharna's dogs run on stage for Boston Market. Interrupt your set. <laughs> Okay, have someone stumble on stage drunk. Have a group of bachelorettes heckle the, that Boston market. Heckle Boston market like a bachelorette party that got that pregame too hard. Improv Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Boston market's ass. Mm. I'm just saying, don't don't pull up to my crib with no Boston market, G. <laughs> on phone and grave, don't come over here with no Boston market. 
I'm dead ass. <laughs> oh my god. That was oh that that was easily the most fun recording that we've had. Mohawk, thank you so much. Actually, how can people find you and support you? Uh listen to your music, support your comedy, read about you. Uh this is your chance to just like tell us how to love all on you. Uh people should follow the Instagram page Free My Nigga Mohawk. People should try to find my music on all platforms uh, under Mohawk Johnson. I have a YouTube channel, same name. If you type Mohawk Johnson into anything, you're going to find me. Just make sure that like posts about my music and my most recent videos are up because there are people on the Internet who are pretending to be me. What? Which I just found out this week. What? Yeah. So, yeah, just follow Free My Nigga Mohawk and then follow any of the profiles linked from there because that is real me that is actual mohawk johnson because there's people out here pretending to be me and doing weird stuff so free mohawk johnson can you tell us tell us more about that yeah yeah uh yeah so i was arrested at a protest on august 15th 2020 um for allegedly striking a police officer in the helmet with a skateboard i got profiled and i got arrested there were multiple people there with skateboards they you know They said it looked like me. I've been on house arrest ever since. My bail was higher than the bail for the cop that shot Breonna Taylor. What the fuck up? So that happened. The judge that put me on house arrest was told explicitly not to because I wasn't considered a flight risk because I've never been under arrest before and I have no criminal record. He did it anyway. One of the judges I had pre-trial said that he couldn't recognize me in the video that they're using as evidence against me because it's some random video from Twitter. Decided to leave me on house arrest anyway, even though he said out loud in court, it doesn't look like me and he can't tell what's going on in the video. So essentially, a man in a helmet got hit in the head in the helmet after showing up in public to beat up other people, because that is what the police were doing. They were doing what they did in Birmingham, Alabama, all those years ago. They showed up to a protest and they attacked people. And the state has decided to make an example out of me because they will not hold police officers accountable for murdering black people. I was at a uh, defund ICE rally when I got arrested. And I've been on house arrest ever since. I got court June 21st. um, And I've been on house arrest for almost a year and have not had trial yet. So my right to a speedy trial is being impeded upon. I'm technically being punished before anything has happened because, you know, house arrest is often used as parole and other stuff. So I'm essentially on parole for a crime that I haven't been tried for. Uh, And it sucks, but you know, it could be worse because I thought they were going to kill me. If I recall correctly, this is your experience. You can correct me. They were, uh, quote unquote, not kettling at the time, but I believe they actually were. Isn't that the case? They were telling everybody. Oh, they were absolutely kettling. And, and there's uh, video evidence of them kettling. Okay. Uh, and I guess uh, for people who don't know kettling and you, you should at this point, it's basically a way for the cops to surround a group and kind of shove them into a corner and then. What winds up happening essentially is they they incite violence and then shit like this happens. People get unfairly uh, accused of, of, quote unquote, hurting a cop. So, yeah. Yeah. As far as your trial goes, what what is expected to happen there? Is it just um, are they going to review the video and hopefully drop the charges or do you know? I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, I haven't been given a trial date. There's no jury. There's no anything. Mm. We don't even know if it's going to trial. I'm just on house arrest until they figure out what they want to do. 
which is essentially like a form of incarceration. Yeah. Incarceration. That's so, awful. yeah, that's about it. That's yeah. that's all I really have. You know, I don't have any updates. That's just that's what happened. Cool. Uh, and people can support you via the Free Mohawk Johnson. Is it a website or Instagram? Remind me. Uh, Instagram. Okay. Instagram, Free My Nigga Mohawk. Yeah, definitely uh, check that out. There was also a big uh, Chicago Reader article that that's really fantastic. goes into goes into all these details. Support Mohawk Johnson um, because it's bullshit. Uh, okay, Mohawk, you've been amazing. Oh, I forgot. Well, what's something funny that you are you are digging right now? Whether it's a TV show or hell, your own shit, whatever. Something something that's bringing you joy right now. Uh, there's this show on uh, Netflix called Kulapari that came out in like 2016 that I saw when it was new. And it's about these frogs, that these anthropomorphic frogs, and they just be fighting. <laughs> they just know Kung Fu. They just be boxing. They just... <laughs> and I watched all of season one again last night because I watched the whole show and I'm watching it again because it's still on Netflix. That's and I'm like, damn, these frogs be getting down, G. <laughs> frogs be fighting. <laughs> That's phenomenal. That's amazing. Uh, Steve, uh, what's, um, what's tickling you? <laughs> oh my god um nothing beat that disneyland vlog <laughs> i love them very much they're very special but that's it's cool also one. cause for worry yeah yeah <laughs> uh he was uh making happy um michael shea came out with that new sketch show on hbo called that damn michael shea there's only six episodes but it's it's really good I need to watch that. It's on my list. Yeah, have you watched it all? Mm-hmm. Or are they doing it one? Oh, okay. Cool. I love it. Um, I uh, was trying to save uh, all of the second season of Black Lady Sketch Show uh, so I could binge it all. Uh, but I broke down and watched it for three episodes the other night and mm-hmm. just laughing my ass off. Rew- doing that thing where you rewind a part and uh, um, watch it again because it's so freaking good. So keep doing it. Uh, Okay. Mohawk, thank you so much for being here. We super appreciate it. That was really fun. We, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank of you course. For being here. That was a blast. Thanks for being here. Great. Thanks for listening to Comedy Nazi. We are going to go try to be some human beings. Bye. 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 This is an Area Code podcast.